This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lambert. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us today, and we hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. It's too easy today to be caught up in the family rhythms and the chaos of everyday life, trying to get your kids from one event to the next, to not get them to spill, for them to stop hitting each other, to get in the car, to zip their jackets up, to go back in, to find their backpacks, to get them to school, on and on and on, day in and day out. And at the end of the day, you just want a few minutes of peace to be by yourself and to recharge. And at the end of it all, it can leave you feeling like a failure like you failed your kids, and like you failed your partner. If that sounds like you, this episode is going to be very encouraging. And in today's chapter, Brian Dietz helps us navigate those tough waters. Brian Dietz is the marriage and family pastor at High Rock Covenant Church in Arlington, Massachusetts. He's been married to his wife, Heather, for 14 years, and they have three kids, Abby, Lydia, and Caleb. Date nights and family nights are both a favorite part of Brian's week, and he loves encouraging others through the highs and lows of their own marital and family intimacy. In 2011, Brian started developing a curriculum called Milestones, raising a Jesus-loving generation to help families in his congregation celebrate spiritual mile markers and prepare for the next season of discipleship. This curriculum has evolved over the years and continues to be one of Brian's biggest passions. Now, we all know that we have to, quote, try harder. We need to do better. But that advice gives us little to work on. How do you be better? Well, Brian Dietz's advice for how to actually create a healthy spiritual home life will help introduce little tiny things that we can begin to be intentional about that will have a huge effect on our family lives. So it's not that you should try harder. You're trying as hard as you can. But by being strategic about how we talk to our kids and the time that we put into building our marriages goes a long way for creating a correct atmosphere in our home that our kids will both see the love that we develop with our spouses and model to them a love of Christ that will take root in their hearts and produce fruit for years to come in their own lives. Help us get started with this. Intentionality is a big, big part of it. So let's say you have a new family and um, they come to you and and they want to know how to be more intentional in their home and creating this atmosphere for their kids. Um, And let's say they didn't grow up experiencing that in their own home. So they're kind of novices. They they haven't seen this modeled for them. How, How do you work with them? To, and guide them into creating this tensionality in this environment in their home? Yeah, there's a, a variety of ways, and, and it's so much dependent on what phase they're in. So uh, a spiritual conversation with a teenager looks far different than a spiritual conversation with a two-year-old. And, uh, and some parents are funny because they have like newborns and they're freaking out like, well, I don't feel like we've had a good family devotion lately. And I'm like, <laughs> you just like feed the kid and change the diaper and yeah, you're good. So um so anyways, I think that changes over time. I'm really thankful for a resource that our church is using now, which is just, it's a parent queue app. And it's part of what our kids and youth ministry use, but it gives weekly prompts and weekly questions 
that are age appropriate and allow families to know what we've talked about on Sundays and then be able to have conversations, a little, a memory verse that younger kids even have a little video they can watch. So those are nice little resources, but we have a whole program called Milestones Raising a Jesus Loving Generation. And all along the way at different ages, I meet with parents as they hit preschool years, as they hit the elementary years, as they hit the teen years. And I give them a variety of resources, Bibles, devotionals, different topics that they probably want to cover around sex and technology and even healthy life habits and stuff like that. So I think all of those are conversation starters, if you will, and ways to hopefully build into that. And there's a variety of devotionals and things like that as well. So each family is going to have a different style. And I don't necessarily prescribe one way, but I feel like if we can at least begin to take what happens on Sundays and start a conversation there, that'd probably be my starting point, but we can build out from there. And does that look like, uh, set aside some time with your family so that you can be intentional about it. And I mean, obviously I I think the the timing of that would then depend on the family. Um, We talked to somebody recently who said, um, you know, they they did it at breakfast every morning. And so that sort of became their, their rhythm of, of daily devotionals um, with the family. Do you have to be that intentional about it of setting aside some time and saying, this is going to be our time for spiritual conversation or devotionals? Or do you say just work it into the the daily rhythms and and routine of life? Again, I find that there's so many different family rhythms and styles. And I I think the reality is if you're totally forcing it, it's probably not going to last or it's going to be so painful for your kids that it shouldn't last. So figuring out rhythms that fit who you are and what your schedule is like, similar to your own quiet time and own, de- own devotional life, I think it's helpful to figure out, okay, what are the times that already exist? And one of my favorite family pastors kind of works with the, you know, the Shema and talk, you know, when you lie down and when you wake up and all, like there's like some four basic times that you really always have. You have the morning time and you're going to have times in the car when you're driving and you're going to have meal time primarily dinner time once you're in school, and then you're going to have bedtime. And so there's those four times that we pretty much all have throughout the life of our kids from birth through high school. And so figuring out, okay, what could those times look like? And what could we bring into those times? There was a season that worked great for us. Our kids were going to school a little later. And so we were able to have a little devotional in the morning and families looked at us like, I couldn't fathom that. Like mornings are so insane and that would just be a nightmare for us. We just barely get out the door and barely survive the whole morning routine. Great. So when else could that be? Maybe it's while you're driving and there's great materials you can just listen to in the car and have some little conversations there. And then dinner time. I've been trying so hard this year to do dinner time because our morning got kind of thrown off and we couldn't do it anymore. It's just not been as easy and it's been a little painful. So I'm like, okay, let's reevaluate that. But that's shifted for us to once a week where we really try to target a special family night once a week. And it includes some playing and games and all that sort of stuff, as well as a devotional time and some prayer time. So I think there's a lot of possibilities. When kids are younger, bedtime's a pretty good time. It seems like that's a nice way to settle them down. Although some families are like, bedtime's the worst time of the day. So, you know, you kind of have to think it through. But um, 
I think starting younger is nice if you start establishing some of those patterns, but uh, it, it can vary for sure. And you got to pay attention to what rhythms fit your family. I love that you're walking this journey out along with us. Um, our kids are kind of in the same, uh, they're young, so... We're still trying to figure that out. (laughs) Yeah, we're still trying to figure that out. And so I appreciate that as you're giving this advice that you've actually walked ahead of us and that you've kind of worked this out and that your approach is not like formulaic in a one size fits all that, you know, you, you have to bend with it. And sometimes the wind blows one direction and you just need to go with that. It takes a lot of the pressure off to feel like, no, if you don't do it in the mornings and in the evenings, then, you know, you're a failure and your kids are not going to grow up and follow the Lord because I mean, you know, I I have young children and my oldest is five and I can sort of feel that, oh no, I I think I've already failed her in some, in some respects, but then, you know, she comes home from church and she prays and like one of the sweetest things that she did was, uh, one of the girls in her Sunday school class, um, got diagnosed with, uh, type one diabetes. And so we were just praying for, uh, lunch, uh, after church that Sunday, and she just prayed that Jesus would heal her friend of diabetes. And it was just like, whoa, well, that was cool, you know? And yeah. so, yeah. Um, so I think even the little moments when we're not as being as intentional, you know, just trying to create that atmosphere. And although I do want to be better about setting those times, and one time me and my wife are trying to do right now is bedtime because we have this crazy idea that that will help settle them down and, and get them into the routine. But yeah, evenings are difficult to, for parents too, just because you've got a million oh, other I'm things done. going on. Yeah. <laughs> and you're tired. My brother-in-law is so good. He reads a Bible for like a half hour with each of his three kids. And I'm like, wow, he loves Jesus. <laughs> like, I just, it's like an independent half hour with each one of them. Like 20 minutes, half hour. Yes. And wow. I'm just like, wow, I'm so done at the end of the day. But he's like my, like, Whew, if I could get there, I would really be a Christian. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but it just but then I have to free myself from that and say, you know what? I'm so glad. Like he loves it. And but it's a discipline too. But that's a big value and a discipline. And he loves it. And it doesn't fit me. And so I just have to release myself of that and say, hey, what are the other ways that we can be intentional and find those moments? The other thing I was thinking as you were talking too, like all that guilt, yeah, you feel like this weight of, oh, I got to do this better more. And I've already, you know, I'm, I'm listening to, I'm in a, a parenting class right now, an eight week course, which I love, but I'm already like, oh my goodness, I like failed my kids because they're already past some of these ages and I'm supposed to be doing all this stuff and we're all going to have that. But one of my mentors, you know, early on, I was like, okay, I need to know how to parent perfectly. Like what's, what, what are the keys to parenting? And he's like, okay, you ready? Listen really closely. He's like, I'm like, ready like my notebook. Love Jesus and love your wife. Done. I was like, wait, no, 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 no. no. Like, what are all the strategies? What are all the techniques? Like, come on, come on, come on, come on. He's like, if you love Jesus well and you love your wife well, you're going to be so far down the court that your kids are going to be super blessed. And of course, there's many, many more things. So I'm not saying forget anything else. But that was just a good reminder of kind of what they're ultimately going to see is kind of the way we love Jesus and the way we love our spouse. So it's kind of the... The two greatest commandments for uh, raising your kids right there. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, (laughs) right? So this might feel like a detour, but I think it's really important since you brought it up, and uh, I think it'll come back in. What role then does loving your wife play in raising your kids? How is that important? And and obviously, I'm I'm guessing this goes from from wife to, to husband as well, but we're all guys here talking, so. Sure. 
Yeah. Well, obviously, I just think, you know, I, I've seen kids who look at their parents who say they're Christians and, and just don't get along and they treat each other really horribly and they can pray these lofty prayers over a dinner meal and then, you know, it just undermines the whole faith. So that's the basic premise, which is fairly obvious. But I also just think that ideally we're a team on mission to raise the next generation of Christ followers. And so teaming up with our spouse is one of the joys of marriage, I think, as we have kids and have that opportunity. Or if we don't have kids, even to team up with your spouse and raise the next generation in other ways. I think my philosophy is the the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, is inviting everybody to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then impress it on the next generation. It's not just your nuclear family. Like It goes right into that and says, love God, and then impress it on the children. And so I think for all of us, the way we interact as adults overall is so significant for the next generation. But then obviously, if we're in the home with our spouse, loving them well, um, it just shows our kids so many different things, not just how to be married, but how to interact with someone that's annoying and bothers you and doesn't always do what you want and work out practical life matters in a God-honoring way and encourage others. You know, I think just they're catching all of that and getting to see that. And so my wife and I are as intentional as we can be. It's, it's hard, but one of our favorite concepts is you love your kids most by putting them third. So God, your spouse, and then them. And our kids know that. We tell them all the time. Our daughter just says it. She's like, I'm third, right, Dad? And I'm like, yep, you're third. And it's even comforting. It's like, takes the pressure off, right? Sometimes the kid is like number one and they feel that weight. No, sorry, you're third. Don't worry about it. I got two other people ahead of you that's way more important. God's got it overall. And then your mom and I. Yeah. And I think you really see that. I'm sure you've worked with um, then married couples who have kids that they separately came from different backgrounds. So they were modeled parenting and relationships differently. So like, I know for me and my wife, that has been a fun issue to walk through. I'm using fun sarcastically. If you, yeah. Yeah. If I, you got can't that. I got that. Um, you, you know, and, and it's one, we've been married almost 10 years now in July and, or I mean, June, sorry, sorry, honey, uh, in June. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it, it, it's like a new thing that's even come up recently. It's like, you know what? I think I think there's an issue there because of like you were raised this one way and 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 I was raised differently and so there's there's a bit of a clash of a uh, of worldview and so we have to figure out how to wrestle with that together and 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 move on in a way that takes I think takes the best of both but also creates something uniquely ours. Yeah. And I think it is I mean it's a gift it's a fun gift right that we bring to our kids that there are two different people that are parenting them. And I think being able to show them, because they're going to interact with people all the time that aren't like them, have different backgrounds, different perspectives. And they, if they get married, they're probably going to marry someone similarly. So getting to see how you guys work that out, wrestle through that. And I think on top of that, being able to say, hey, you know what? It's okay that we're going to parent differently even. And they'll adapt. It doesn't have to be this perfect, like, of one accord at every moment in all this perfect harmony that they're experiencing multiple styles, multiple ways, and kids are really adaptable. And even it's somewhat beneficial. Now, if you're at odds and totally inconsistent, there's some downsides to that for sure. But I think the ways it sounds like you are working on that is a gift to them, even when 
it doesn't work out perfectly all the time, but you're working on it. And them seeing that is probably the big gift you give them in there. One of the things that I struggle with is uh, like a few, because my wife and I've actually been married for just a few months longer than Chris and his wife. And so we're, we're coming up on 11 years later this year. And it was crazy to me because in the first two years of marriage, I thought ever I had everything figured out about her. And then two years into our marriage, I learned she did not like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and it was like this what? revelatory moment. And I thought, I am never going to fully understand you. <laughs> and so at that point, we've had conversations pretty much ever since about how we're really doing things differently. I mean, we, we try to get on the same page, but we uh, <laughs> learned early on my wife doesn't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And so it's kind of uh, shaken my, my worldview of what marriage could be like for the rest of my life, I think. <laughs> Yeah. And then you bring in kids, you learn all sorts of new stuff about yourself and your spouse, right? right? I mean, you guys are in the fog of it. I mean, we just called that the season before the before your youngest is three, until your youngest is three, it's just a fog. And it's kind of a blur. But eventually you kind of get out of it and you realize, wow, like there's all these new things. I like I've gained insight into myself and my spouse and whew, it's it's a little crazy. But it's definitely a humbling experience. I, I um I I'm a type one on the Enneagram as, as we've talked about. And, uh, for me, I, I do struggle with, with anger and how that manifests, but man, I really learned a lot about how my anger manifests with, with kids because man, you'll <laughs> love them to death, but if they weren't mine, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if I would keep them around. Let me say that. And so, um, it, it does. And then you see maybe like your spouse's reaction and it's just like, Whoa, like, who are you? <laughs> like, I, I, I've never seen this side. So anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you take anything away from this episode, I think it should be how important your relationship with your spouse actually is. That the way in which we communicate with each other models for our children the life and love of Jesus. And that tends to make a huge impact. And then we have to overcome a few challenges, especially we have to get on the same page with our significant others. And so If there's anything I could challenge you to do, if you're not already listening to this episode together, please go home and put this in the hands of your spouse so that you can begin a dialogue with them on how you can cultivate this atmosphere of love in your family and so that you can get on the same page together. Because we have to be intentional about creating a rhythm for our home life. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. Or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.